0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa.
2: You got Wyatt and Noah helping us out at our flagship station, Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Friday afternoon, December 22nd edition, as we head into the holiday weekend. Welcome to the show. Appreciate everybody dialing us in. We'll take calls throughout the show. If you'd like to dial us up, go to 205 342 9904. Lots of places to start all over. One would be a signee, not a college signee, okay? And we'll get to this in a minute because we need to talk some Alabama football, and that's what we're going to do. But Lars, i got to dive in to the signing by the Dodgers, Yamamoto who's a wrestler back in the day. But a pitcher for a team, the uh, Grizzlies, I think, $325 million. So they spent a billion dollars here in the offseason, the Dodgers. They're the Yankees of the West Coast and kind of have been for a while. But I've got some amazing stats on this guy. But let's open the show and just say hello. Merry Christmas, Lars.
3: Hey, Merry Christmas to you and Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Last night, Matt, I spent about uh, literally six hours wrapping presents. I'm the worst. I am the worst at wrapping presents. It's just one well, of the, the things. Six hours that
2: I, would give indication that you probably <laughs> it's, able to
3: it's, a, it's one thing I can't do, and uh, you know I've been laughed at throughout my entire life. And now that I'm wrapping all the kids' presents, and uh, it's uh, it was a bit bit of a nightmare. But then mercif- mercifully, I ran out of tape, and I didn't feel like running to the store. So I'll, I'll have round two this afternoon. Uh, all right. Have you gotten to the point where you're wrapping presents yet? No.
2: Karen and I are going out the minute I get off the air, and we're going to finish up. And then guess what? She gets to take over as the rapper because <laughs> she does it quite
3: well. That's a man. I mean, I – I don't think they're this is patient. controversial I don't think this is controversial to say, but it's been my experience that women are just far better at wrapping presents than men. That's I think it's because right. I don't have the patience to do like all the angles and I'm not anal when it comes to just making sure everything is perfectly aligned. <laughs> you know? I mean
2: you don't you don't make sure they're wrapped on the back and open uh, yeah, I mean I do that. I mean, but I'll, but I'll, they uh, match up with the Christmas trees and the snowman? No, don't do that. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I I have seen people that can do that and they're women. Okay, I I, I think it's partially. I mean, uh, yeah, I probably am going to get in trouble here. But women can sew better than men. Right. I mean, it's that small, integral craft that they possess that that we don't. Now, I'm sure there are men rappers that are quite good. But uh, I'm with you. And if it really gets bad, I might share Karen with you. (laughs) (laughs) That would be
4: great. It'll cost you. (laughs)
3: Um, Yeah. Okay. So going to to this Yamamoto agreement, and we do have some Nick Saban uh, news that we're going to get into here in just a second. Um, How good is this guy? A 12-year deal? Yoshinobu
2: Yamamoka. Yamamoto, which is uh, Tojo Yamamoto was a uh, a very famous wrestler in the 60s and 70s. I imagine there are no relation because that's probably a very common name. All right. Let me throw you some things out there. $325 million over 12 years. He's a right-handed pitcher. He was in the bullpen four or five years ago. The Grizzlies moved him into a starter's (coughs) role. Since then, he has been the three year Cy Young Award winner, the equivalent there in Japan. He has the best stats in 74 years of the NPO, I think it is, the Nippon Professional League, something like that.
3: Yeah. It's a
2: 99 mile an hour fastball and a very nasty splitter and a curveball that buckles the knees. And if you want backup, and trust me, we all know, that league's very, very good. Uh, You can play in both. We've seen evidence of that. All right. 820 and a third innings pitched. Okay? Listen to that. 820 and a third innings pitched. His ERA is 1.65. Just stop and let that sink in. Um, He has a 5-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. He allows one home run every 28 innings. This guy is dominating, and he's now with the Dodgers, who are certainly got to be the picks to win the World Series in 2024.
3: You know it's even more incredible? Fantastic. He's only 5'10", 176 pounds. I mean, that is not the the typical size of a, it's not a, a, Nolan a Ryan. number one starter. Or a showyotani, um, who's a big fella. Yeah yeah so but it's uh, it's, it's amazing he, uh, and money wins in all sports now doesn't it I think he follows uh the tom Brady method like he pri- he prioritizes flexibility uh and, and movement over over raw strength he doesn't lift weights uh he just does body weight exercises stretches and just a lot of throwing from uh from tiny soccer balls to mini javelin to long tosses and, and uh Regular and to would with, with regulation size uh, baseball, but is there any concern that for whatever reason his game won't be as dominating in the major league baseball as it was in the top league in Japan? Is there a big difference? I mean, I know Japan has, 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 has been a very competitive in what the World Baseball Classic, and they've they've even beaten the United States. But I'm just wondering, sort of top to bottom, what the comparison would be between those two leagues.
2: Well, I think both leagues have elite players, and we've just given evidence of both. I think where you find the biggest difference is maybe through the five through nine hitters and players. I don't think they're as good consistently uh, across the Pacific. Um, but they are, I would say they're a very high AAA compared to Major League Baseball. And, you know, they're the fourth best second baseman in Japan, is uh, probably not near the 16th in the major leagues. I know that may sound like a slight difference, but when you add them up and you're playing these teams every single day, then I think it will. Uh, show that there is a difference in favor of major league baseball so we'll see he will come in and he will pitch and for first uh he'll have immediate success because nobody's seen him but uh then i think that uh, major league baseball will catch up with him a little bit but you can't throw out a 165
3: era and come over here and blow and, up And, and I just plus think he's that, too good man last season in 2023 ERA of 1.21 over 164 innings, 6 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio, and this is really amazing. 164 innings pitched, two home runs allowed. Wow. That's just. Um yeah, that, that'll work in Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I can't wait. I, I've never seen him throw a ball in my life. I didn't know who he was until uh, this morning, and I saw that uh, that news uh, the, when I first woke up. And uh, But I always – I love it when uh, guys who don't fit the typical physical mold, and he doesn't at 5'10", uh, 176 pounds – I love it when they get out there and uh, and dominate the big boys. And uh, I love the be- uh, the fact that you brought up what he does to
2: train. I think that's very true for pitchers, and probably um, position players should probably heed that too. Because um, you know, you, you you got your Mark McGuire's and your socias and those guys that uh, bulk up and hit the long ball, and but flexibility, for the most part, I think is the advantage that you get in your workouts with
3: baseball. In your in your prime, how fast was your fastball? Um, high eighties. Wow. Um, but
2: <laughs> in my prime, that wasn't getting a lot of people out either. I played. <laughs> at, I played in some big leagues with some really really good players. But yeah, yeah. But um, hey, I get fired up talking about some baseball. But. Let's take a break. When we get back, I want you to give us a little setup on, on what Saban was doing with McAfee. Yep. And we'll uh, we'll hear from that because uh, Saban claims it's a coming in college football. And there are a lot of other notes in college football. And, um, uh, I'll say it first. I'll bring this up first. But uh, interesting, interesting information on a former Nebraska quarterback. So I brought that up. And we talked about these guys a lot. This guy a lot, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. But anyway, hey, this is Big News Sports on a Friday, brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. On the show, we will have the mixture, Mick Gillespie, at the bottom of the hour, and top of the hour, Johnny Conny, ABC 3340. Got a good show lined up for you. Stay tuned.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A pleasant afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 62. Fair tonight The low 41. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 67. Sunday, increasingly cloudy. Rain arrives by Sunday night. Sunday's high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's
5: 59 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
3: anderson matt Coulter. uh yesterday nick saban did his weekly appearance on the pat mcafee show and his words have been reverberating all across the college football landscape because he issued a warning that caught everyone's attention here's nick saban yesterday on the pat mcafee show
2: Okay. I'm back on headsets.
3: Can't hear audio.
6: That's happening all over the place, especially with that Pac twelve. He compared I you obviously have, I don't know, a thousand things going on, so you didn't hear it. He said the Pac twelve disappeared out of nowhere. Hundred million dollar business, like Bed Bath and Beyond did. He said, See ya. We are gone. That's what Chip Kelly said about it. And it's like right now it's a whirlwind of change hitting everything at once. How does it does it get wrangled? Anything do does it get figured out? How do how do you think this whole thing pans out, Coach? Just as a man is obviously at the top of the game.
4: I think it's going to continue in the same direction uh, that it's going until something happens. I call it a thunderbolt, right, where maybe people start dropping sports because the finance fi- the finance part of it can't make sense in terms of what you can reinvest in non revenue sports or. You know, some, some players out there don't get what they were promised and there's lots of lawsuits and stuff. You know, I mean, there's going to be some kind of a thunderbolt because this is not a system that we have right now that has any guardrails. And in most competitive venues, there are some guardrails that, you know, sort of control what you can and can't do, whether it's the NFL in terms of where you pick in the draft to create parity or whatever it is. And right now, it's it's a game of whoever's willing to invest the most has the best chance to have the best team.
6: Well, you talk about the NFL and, you know, having, I appreciate you saying, calling it a thunderbolt. That seems like a, like an equalizer, like a situation that's going to take place where everybody's going to have to finally open their eyes because it feels like it's common sense thought that if you don't have, like, structures of contracts, there's probably going to be bad contracts. If you don't have, like, what deals look like, there's probably going to be bad deals all over the place. Somebody has to do something, you know? Hey, figure it out. Figure it out,
2: smart people. Wow, <laughs> there you have it, man. Sabins bringing it. McAfee's bringing it a little bit too, but as usual, Lars Sabins makes great points. But right now, we've used the term so many times before. It's the wild, wild west. I'm here in terms of uh, well, for one for one thing, I saw an article yesterday that Arch Manning made 3.2 million dollars a year and what? He took a handful of snaps. And then somebody also noted that Brock Purdy made 870,000 dollars last <laughs> this year and he he could be the MVP. Yeah. So it's just, but no, but nobody's stepping forward. Are people just waiting on a senate committee to step in because that's a bad weight um the colleges are going to have to come together but unlike the nfl where you're trying to deal with 32 teams in the draft and all that you're dealing with 130 and that's just the college football the power five the division one as i call them the fbs so i don't know how you get this back in the bottle it's going to be very difficult because uh, what what do you do with the guys that are making all that money you going to stop them because you have a ceiling? Are they grandfathered in. Duh. It's going to take more than five Philadelphia
3: lawyers to do this. Yeah, um, I-, I love the fact that Coach Saban used the word thunderbolt. It's going to take a thunderbolt event to eventually force change. And the the question is, as he said, you know, what will that event be? Um, you know. <laughs> Right now, recruits are just being handed bags and bags of money before they're doing anything. And Arch Manning is a great example of that. Um, conference realignment is so out of whack. You have, geez, the, what, the UCLA softball team flying across the country for games. <laughs> like, how, how is this gonna end? All right. And, and you don't um, pay
2: for that out of, out of NIL. The universities
3: and, have to pay yeah, for that. Yeah, the university's got to pay for that. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't know. What I do know is that when Nick Saban issues a warning, and a very dire warning, people ought to listen. He still has the most, I and mean, easily, the, the most powerful voice in all of college football and, and really in all of college athletics. and uh, Charlotte agrees. Charlotte does agree, yeah. Um, but, you know, this isn't surprising what he said, but, again, I, I really appreciate the language because Thunderbolt, that just tells you, it, it's going to be something serious that's going to happen. And, you know, when Nick Saban gazes into the future and he looks to distant horizons and he makes predictions, they tend to come through. Yeah,
5: rich get richer. That's
3: one of my favorites. I mean, they, they, they tend to come through. And, uh, you know, he, he's adapting and, and it's a little... Uh, I, I don't know the word is ironic that Nick Saban doesn't like this era because Alabama obviously has plenty of NIL money and, uh, Alabama is doing as, as well as anyone in, in the country right now. Um, you know, right there with Georgia, but yeah, I, I just, I just wanted to bring that, uh, to everyone's attention in case they missed it because, um, it's like the, 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 the countdown is, is on. Uh, you know, the, the, for college football apocalypse, uh, the count, the 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 clock is ticking down, and we'll just have to see. But now, now we have a name for it. It's going to be a thunderbolt event.
2: Lars, <laughs> he mentioned uh, something that I think it, it, it's frightening, and, and that's the possibility of having to drop other sports. Now we have. If that happens, we have officially lost any amateur status, which we kind of have anyway. But if you start dropping sports just so you can support football and basketball, you're going to draw the ire of a lot of people. Maybe that's the thunderbolt because he mentioned them in the same breath. Maybe. And good grief, what if they if they start dropping women's sports, they're going to have to drop men's because let me tell you something, Lars. You know this. Title IX still exists. Okay. And if you drop one, you're gonna to have to make the scholarships even. And that's gonna cause a huge uproar. And maybe that thunderbolt needs to happen so somebody finally puts up some very tall, sturdy guardrails.
3: Um speaking of tall, my neighbor just decided to uh get out his chainsaw and try to cut down about a forty foot tree. Hopefully it doesn't oh. fall on my house. Uh, so I apologize for the background noise. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, go, going to Dylan Rayola, I would just love to know the story behind the story. Did he go to Nebraska because his dad went there, his uncle coaches there? Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, he's felt like, oh, this is my home. This is where my blood is. Yeah, said all the right things. Or did he go to Nebraska because he got offered more money? Georgia Georgia didn't give him what he thought he was going to get. Nebraska offered more, and that's why he went. Well, you know, I am guessing, I am guessing that it has to do with the money. I wonder if uh
2: and I did this earlier in the week and not sure I had a lot of agreement, but you know, there was some Talking and isn't Carson Beck still thinking about whether or not he's going to come back?
3: I know no, he's going to play he, in the he, Orange Bowl. He's coming back. So, I wonder
2: if that was not writing on the wall, and he wanted to play immediately. Would you come into Georgia as a true friend?
3: yeah you're not going to be playing immediately uh at georgia and plus georgia had a has a pretty stacked uh quarterback room and they've got some young players and he'd really have to compete whereas at nebraska he is the starter from uh day one and uh um again i think uh rayola losing rayola was a pretty big loss for georgia but They still finished ranked number one, sort of across the board in recruiting rankings. And and Alabama wasn't far behind at number two. And if uh, one of those two guys who we thought was gonna flip to Alabama at the last second, but ended up uh, staying with where they originally said they're gonna go, uh, Alabama could have jumped over over, uh, the Bulldogs for that number one ranking. All right. Uh, you're listening to Big News Sports. And then we come back, we are going to be joined with the one and the only Mick Gillespie. We'll be right back.
7: belt champion Troy meets Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now starting at just $30. The pregame festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest pep rally at Uptown with live music, team pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at BirminghamBowl.com. For many
8: is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial Financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790 7229. Again, that's 205 790 7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the Bama That's Laura
7: Lee at the Bama
5: Three, seven, six. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Back
2: on Big Noon Sports sunny day it's gonna be a beautiful day tomorrow I'll remind you to go ahead and get your ticket for the birmingham bowl with duke and troy saturday morning at 11 o'clock it's gonna be sunny lars and his gang's gonna be there i'm gonna be there hope y'all were there too what a great way to spend a couple of days before christmas with your family and friends joining us now uh, brought to you by laura lee Thompson, the Bama broker Mick Gillespie. Mick's joining the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Merry Christmas. And to you as well. Do you want to take a couple of minutes and assess Alabama's recruiting class of the ones that signed this past Wednesday?
1: Yeah, it was exciting. Um, covered it. And um, just another big-time blue-chip Alabama recruiting class. You know, Nick Saban has consistently had Alabama at the top. I think he's averaged number two and you know, how many years. Um, and then he puts more guys in the NFL than any of the other coaches. Um, but this was a, a class that had star power. Um, Julian Sand being a consensus five-star quarterback. He brings in kind of that Bryce Young type of category. Uh You know, you build everything around him, and then you know, as the day went on, I mean, it just kept getting better and better for Alabama. Um, I thought it was awesome that Drake Kirkpatrick's son's on the team now. You know, a kick returner, uh, a cornerback you know, safety from Gadsden who, uh, you know, showed off in that Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game and had a season that, uh, you know, any player would be proud of, you know, not just uh, on defense but returning. You know, kicks, electric type player, and Alabama had those guys all over the place. It was exciting. Put some offensive linemen in there, uh, some defensive linemen, obviously the, uh, you know, the magic on signing day. Um, didn't get them all because, uh, you know, uh, NIL is a big part of this. Some guys got bought away. Um, and I think Auburn used their NIL to, 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 to you know, have some have a decent class, have a good class but um, as far as Alabama goes, it, it, I hate to say it's typical but being great for Nick Saban is typical
3: Nick uh, big picture what do you think as long as you, you've been observing Nick Saban uh, for as long as we have what do you think makes him such an elite recruiter a one of a kind recruiter
1: well, I think that when he probably started his career, he was, he was a great recruiter because, uh, he's relentless and he's focused and, um, and he, he has the ability to talk to people in, in an honest way. I think at this point, he's the best that's ever done it. He's the, he may be the best that ever does it. And if you want your son to go play football at a place and have their best chance to succeed, not just on the football field, but in life. You want him to be around this guy, uh, to develop. And so I think that's a part of it, too. Um, the championships help out a lot now. You know, his track record. We've never seen anyone stay so focused, uh, not just on the winning and losing, not just developing coaches, and developing players but also recruiting. I mean, you know, I I think that it just comes down to at this point as long as he puts the effort in um and he also the other thing too I got to say is that he has always demanded that the coaches that work for him recruit. I remember someone telling me one time um that uh, that worked with him. That if, it didn't matter how good of a coach you were on the field, you had to go out and recruit, but you didn't stick around at Alabama. And, um, and he works harder than anyone else. So it's not like he's asking someone to do something that he doesn't do, but that is a huge part of it as well. His coaches get out there and they beat the pavement down. And, and, and that competition within itself has helped Alabama. And that's been the way he's done it since he started.
2: Ryan Williams attracts a lot of attention. He's been committed to Alabama for over a year now, Mick. But he's not gonna sign until the traditional signing day, which is the first February and, and um first Wednesday in February, excuse me. Um but he seems there seems to be momentum towards Auburn. How much of that do you have uh what do you think about that? Is
1: that gonna happen? Well, I'll tell you this right now. If you want Ryan Williams to definitely come to Alabama and not Auburn, the only thing that Auburn can offer that Alabama can't is money. And and Nick Saban has said that. You think Auburn really went out there on their 5-7 and season and got these guys to flip from other schools because Hugh Freeze is the greatest coach of all time? No, it's because they've got money. And that's what it takes these days. So if you want guys like Ryan Williams to stick around and you have the means to help contribute to these you know, NILs and collectives and stuff like that, you do it. Because that's what it comes down to these days. You know, uh, uh, Auburn got a number seven recruiting class because you know they went in and paid guys. And that's how this works now. I mean, that's not even illegal. I mean, that's just the name of the game. So for, for Alabama, the guarantee, and I, I've heard that he's come into Alabama from some pretty – People that know him. I, I don't know, but you know what? I, if, if they came and offered me $2 million to go to Auburn, um, I'd have to, it'd be hard not to take that. So for Alabama, if they want to make sure that they get some of these guys, they're probably going to have to come up with NIL money. Mick, how good is he? He might be the best. Rec- I've heard he's the, he could be the best receiver to come out of the state since Julio. Um, I mean, he, he you know, t- just the fact that the guy's good enough to reclassify, you know, and <laughs> he's still the best receiver, you know, he would have been a high school guy again, you know, uh, but you still got to go out there and perform. But he's just one of those guys that he he comes in with the, uh you know, the same pedigree as as some of these, you know, Julio Jones and Cadillac. And you, you hear about these guys, you see him play, and then, I'd say when they come in with this kind
3: of hype, most of the time they live up to it. In looking at film from high school and camps of Julian Sand and also just talking to all the people who you know around the program, which is a substantial amount, what are you hearing about Julian and just uh, kind of what he brings, what his strengths are?
1: Well, he's smart. He's a football savant. He, he mentally, I think he's a lot like, uh, Bryce Young, where he's going to come in and immediately he's going to be able to, uh, to pick up the, the offense. He's also deadly accurate. And he was, what was he like, the most accurate quarterback this year in, in, in high school or something? I mean, the guy's like 70 some percent. And that was Bryce Young, you know, where he'd come in and, Uh, had it mentally but also has it had it physically and i mean maybe i'm reading him wrong but he just seems like he's a really cool calm guy and and they those dudes seem to really do well at the quarterback spot you know um you you, it's really exciting to know that he's coming because these guys have, you know, we we didn't always get these kind of quarterbacks. And then all of a sudden now, you know, you turn around and they come to Alabama and they end up, you know, really performing well. So uh, to me, you know, he he throws the ball, he reads defenses, he's super intelligent, and uh, he's able to dissect defenses fast and uh, not make a lot of mistakes. Did you see anybody in the uh,
2: signing class? this week that you feel
1: like has a immediate chance to play? I mean, that's a great question. I, you know what? I, offhand, I mean, I no, but that doesn't mean that things are going to change. I mean, I, ask me that question after I see who transfers after, the, you know, I mean, after the championship game or, you know, after the playoff and who goes into the NFL. Um because, it's look, it's tough to get out there and play as a true freshman. I mean, but but it happened. You know, you just look, look around. Who would have thought Caden Proctor would be, you know, a guy who came in and started from the, the very beginning, you know? And who would have thought Justice Haynes wouldn't have played that much this year? I think we'd, we'd not see me. a lot more. Not a, well, we'll see a lot more of him, you know, coming forward. He's going to be – I think he's going to be – Someone that plays a lot of football in Alabama next year—that's uh, on the field a lot. So, um, I, I, you know what? When I get off here, I'll probably have somebody pop into my head. But I—I I just would like to see kind of what the roster looks like before I say, "Hey, this guy, yeah, I definitely count on him." Um,
3: are there any other guys who uh, you know maybe that not many are talking about in this recruiting class that have uh, caught your eye?
1: man um let let me let me ask you guys that question who who did you guys when when you started seeing these guys sign who who was it that you said hey you know what i'm really excited about this guy
3: i mean I, my my obvious one is julian saying uh i've mentioned this several times on the show one of my closest friends is writing a book about the state of college football And one of the things he's doing is uh, he's embedded essentially with the Saiyan family and the relationship. uh, And again, I'm hearing the second hand from my friend who's an author, but the relationship between Saiyan and Sabin already is so incredibly tight. And I mean you know, even though Nick Saban is known as a defensive guy, I think in his own mind, he views himself as that all state high school quarterback that he once was and uh, and I I just think these two have a really unique connection. I mean, so that's that's an obvious answer for me. How, How about you, Matt?
2: Well, I like what I've seen and I hear about the Carrollton Georgia tight end, Caleb Odom. I'm not saying that that room is empty but Alabama has a collection of three guys that they're using a tight end. And one of them is not black, but guys, he's a slot, okay? But from what I read about Odom, I think he's got a chance to contribute at a position that I think he can come in and play. And Nick has brought in transfers and tight ends that have played significantly in their first year. So, Nick, I I guess
1: we got Thayen and Odom. Yeah, and look, both of those guys could definitely be, you know, on that list. I mean, you you think too, like of all those defensive linemen that Alabama signed, those are the guys to me that are going to have the bigger impact because you rotate those guys in so much that it gives you an opportunity to to put those big fellows in there and 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 basically just let them go.
3: Yeah. Um... Make I don't know if you heard Nick Saban's comments yesterday on uh, the Pat McAfee show. But uh, we, we played him uh, last segment and uh, essentially said that uh, there's a thunderbolt coming. that's going to strike college football and it's just going to turn everything on its head uh it was a he it was the issuing of a pretty stern warning of uh dire days for this sport and really for all of college athletics uh just because what is going on right now is not sustainable uh (laughs) did you get to hear that in in just uh just your reaction i mean uh, no duh but Yeah. yeah go ahead
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Jalen Mbakwe is my guy, by the way. I never did say that. I love him. Clay charcoal? I think he's going to be a superstar. All right. But going back to this, I'm really concerned about it too. I mean, it's the wild west right now when it comes to, uh, dealing with the transfer portal and NIL. And then, you know, you got, you know, lawsuits that these guys want to be paid and they want to be considered employees. And I mean, it's, and then you, you look at the super conferences and everything else. Um, ever since that Supreme Court decision to basically turn this into professional sports, I mean, it's it's changed a lot, you know, and it's a shame that we couldn't have figured out a way to do this where, um, you know, the, the, the players, instead of the players on, in football funding every other sport, they, they could have just been kind of compensated for for what they brought and now it's like I, I don't know what's going to happen and, I, and he's always right you know every time he says stuff like this he's right no one knows it better than Saban and, and they need to listen to him but I don't even think that would even slow any of this down hey Mick as we go to break tell everybody how they can find
2: you and your YouTube channels and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah. Hey, check it out Uh the Bama tailgate YouTube channel. I uh, got a video up there. Jay Coker and I talking about Julian saying right now. I did a total recap of the signing day and all the players. That's Bama tailgate on YouTube. Got to
2: ask you about Yas Yamamoto when we get back. But first, <laughs> as we return, um, Florida State certainly in the news. Big decision made this morning down in Tallahassee. You're listening to Big News Sports.
0: Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris
9: Show. Hey Everybody, it's Gary Harris. I hope you're enjoying your holiday break. Merry Christmas to all of you. We'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new show. We'll get back into the swing of things. Start getting ready for the
0: Rose Bowl in the college football playoff semifinal with Alabama and Michigan. That's Tuesday on the Gary Harris Show. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. It's time to ring in the New Year right.
9: Bama, a winner over the Georgia Bulls.
0: the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Race Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A pleasant afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 62. Fair tonight, the low 41. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 67. Sunday, increasingly cloudy. Rain arrives by Sunday night, Sunday's high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 30 to 40 Weather Center on Tide 100.9.
5: It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up.
2: Our guest is Mick Gillespie, Matt, Lars, You got Wyatt and Noah. Reading this morning about the emergency meeting that uh, Florida State called uh, to make decisions on their future. And it seems they're carting the horse in my limited knowledge on how things are done. But they have decided that they are going to sue the ACC about their exit fee, yet they have nowhere to exit. I find that rather odd. They're just going to flap in the wind until somebody picks them up. And I'm not sure there's a real guarantee that the SEC would pick them up. I think the Big Ten, Mick, would grab them at first chance.
1: Yeah, I, they're going to find the conference. Um, our friend, uh, I used to actually work for their uh, their athletic director at the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Um um, uh, Michael Offert, and um, uh, he's a fiery dude, and, and I'm sure he's really motivated to get out uh, of the ACC, and honestly, looking at the future of college football, I don't blame them. You know, they the, the fact that the ACC, they're a joke. I mean, they went out and, and brought in SMU and, what was it, Stanford and, and Cal, and it's like, you're totally missing out on what's going on right here. You already have a conference full of these teams that You know, uh, in football, that are cupcakes, and then you go out and add three more. You know, um, I I I think they would be great in the SEC. I would love to have them in there. I've been to football games in in Tallahassee. You don't want the Big Ten down here anyway. I bet they end up in the Big Ten just because the Big Ten would love to uh, enlarge their footprint and come down south. But anything can happen. I mean, there's if they tried to get out, they'd owe so much money. That they wouldn't have money for any NIL or any of that stuff. It's like isn't it like a hundred and thirty million dollars or something? It's just pretty, pretty substantial amount. Um, but I don't blame them for wanting to get out because the conference isn't a power conference in football anymore. Uh, it's it's not respected. The the teams that they play week by week aren't worth watching. The matchups aren't any good, and then you're looking at the Big Ten and the SEC now that you you know it. Alabama's schedule next year is the toughest schedule that I've ever seen Alabama have. Georgia's is even tougher. Florida's is even tougher than that, you know? And what you get is a lot of primetime games. Watching Florida State and Wake Forest isn't good football to me. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I'm with you about that. Hey, uh, Matt, before we jump into uh, getting mixed analysis of uh, Michigan-Alabama, Go ahead and, and, and you're the, you're our baseball guy on the show and about what happened, uh, uh, just, uh, last, just yesterday. Well, Yamamoto, yeah. Yash
2: Yamamoto, he is, uh, $325 million, 12 years. Uh, you, you know, you, uh, couple that with, uh, Shoei's money. That's a billion dollars. So that's a whole lot of money, and I guess the Dodgers have got their money. I'm not sure how the ceiling works in that, the cap, all that, but it doesn't seem like Los Angeles has one. But all that being said, I'm just reading this guy's numbers, Mick. They read like Bob
1: Yeah, I mean, look, this is a substantial amount of money. They also traded and then signed Tyler Glass now, and they also gave Jason Hayward a, a contract this year. They they've spent over a billion dollars in contracts now. You you know Shohei Ohtani's is like two million dollars a year for ten years until the contracts up, so that he didn't have to pay California state taxes, and it also allows the Dodgers to have more room under the salary cap. That's not the case with Yamamoto. They actually have to pay almost $400 million because they have to pay a posting fee to his team in Japan, the Buffaloes, to, to get him. And I and so it's in, it's insane. And the fact that a pitcher that's never thrown one pitch in the major leagues is the guy that got the biggest contract ever is crazy to me. Uh, but Yamamoto, um, he's only like five foot ten and one hundred and eighty pounds. He throws hard, though. He throws in the nineties. Uh, his stuff moves. He's got an incredible split finger, a slider, and all that. I mean, we saw him in the World Baseball Classic. The guy's great, and he's twenty five years old. So they feel like having him and Glass now at the front of the rotation is going to make a big difference. The money, no one else is spending anything, and then there, and then every time you turn around, and this guy was the giants offered him the, the same money i think the mets offered him that the money that they got a contract offer from the yankees but he decided to stay there so it's uh the, the dodgers right now are trying to put together a super team the problem is though the game is different in japan the baseball is a little bit different over there it's a different weight um you know players like like look at Otani, the other guy they signed you know he's a pitcher and he's got Tommy John going right now, you know, so he's not even going to pitch next year. So you wonder how Yamamoto's long-term health is going to hold up. Uh, it is definitely a contract that I looked at and thought, okay, you, uh, somebody's going to pay him. And they said he, they were, he was going to make about $300 million. Somebody's going to pay a guy $300 million plus that's never gotten an out in the major leagues. That is – that is and for tw- and it's like a 12-year contract? That, that's – Pretty yeah. bold to me. Mars as as asked
2: a question a little while ago that I tried to answer, and that's what's uh, what's the difference, and and how good is the Nippon League compared to the American and
1: National? Yeah, you know what? I had a conversation with a guy, a friend of mine that is um, uh, half Japanese and uh, half American, and he he goes to Japan every summer and, and watches. Uh, he's a big Japanese baseball fan. And honestly, it used to be equivalent to maybe AAA baseball, but it's come a long way. It, it is Japanese national pastime. They, they take the game very seriously there. They play the game the right way. And what we're seeing is that instead of these guys coming over they, they're, and, and just being players, they're coming over and they're, they're stars. So they, it does translate, no doubt about it.
3: Mick, shifting over to Alabama, Michigan, Um, is this an incredibly bad matchup for Michigan just because their weaknesses tend to be right where Alabama's strengths are? And in particular, I'm talking about their wide receivers. They do not have a stud wide receiver whereas Alabama has two All-American corners. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. so uh, amazing to say that they have two All-American corners. And I think this should allow Alabama to push more guys up uh, to stop the run. And Michigan's entire offense is based on power and, and running the ball and old, old school, you know, Big Ten football, power football. So to me, I, I, I still don't understand why Michigan is favored in this game. And, uh, you know, the the people I've talked to, you know, I'm a Big Ten guy. Like, no one is giving – no one who's paid attention to Michigan, like, really studied them, is giving them much of a chance in this game. Just your overall thoughts.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? There's another way to look at this, too. Um, Alabama's secondary is definitely the strength of their defense. But Michigan's not really going to even try to test them. They're going to try to run the football. They they sometimes put seven, eight offensive linemen in there, and they use a bunch of tight ends. So it, it almost, in a way, I mean, you could flip the coin and say, you if you're Alabama, you, you're kind of not even able to utilize the, the strength of your defense, you know, um, if, if Michigan is able to run the football. So, I mean, I, I – the Auburn game, honestly, is the game that makes me a little bit worried about this because Alabama did not do a great job of stopping the run in that game. You know, Auburn was gashing Alabama. They knew that, that Auburn wasn't going to throw the football, and they still had a tough time stopping it, and they got lucky to win that football game. Now, I'm not saying that um, the Rose Bowl for Michigan is like the Iron Bowl in uh, Jordan-Hare is for Auburn, where all those players have superpowers, but if they're able to run the football and, and they're just basically flipping it out to their tight ends, they don't even care. You know, like the, the, because they're not going to really – I don't think that they're really going to test Alabama's secondary. They're going to try to get three yards and, a, and and three yards and then break some big run uh, and then use their tight end. So I Al, the thing that would make me feel like, you know, confident for Alabama – is that I don't remember the last time that Alabama lost to a team where the quarterback couldn't throw the football. But I'm going to tell you, um, McCarthy can run it. So, yeah, with between him and Coram, it there, there, there is a challenge here. Absolutely. Hey, Nick, you got all your Christmas shopping done now? No, actually, I'm going right now. Yeah, <laughs> I've been waiting too. on this. To go out and get some shopping done. Good luck. Thank you. Merry Christmas. You, hey, Merry Mick. Christmas, guys. We'll talk to you at, uh talk to you next week.
2: Roll Absolutely. time. Baby.
3: Thank
2: you, Vic. Yeah. Cool Bang. All right. Uh, you're listening to Big Ten Sports, presented by Haley Samsing, Union Home Mortgage. When we get back, we'll go straight to our second guest of the show, and that's Johnny Congdon from ABC thirty three forty. Stay tuned.
8: Fustimo is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No. Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and Build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790 7229. Again, that's 205 790 7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the dot That's Laura
0: Lee at the dot
10: Here's Nick Cope. Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence will practice today, but he remains in concussion protocol. Coach Doug Peterson said he thinks the odds of Lawrence clearing protocol to be able to play this weekend are better than a coin flip. Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel said he expects running back Devon And to play against the Cowboys on Sunday. McDaniel added receiver Tyreek Hill hasn't had any setbacks with his ankle this week, and he feels good about Hill playing. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson out this weekend, still in concussion protocol, so Trevor Simeon will get the start. Colts receiver Michael Pittman Jr. cleared concussion protocol. He'll play on Sunday, and the Commanders ruled out running back Brian Robinson with a hamstring injury. In college sports, Florida State's Board of Trustees filed a lawsuit against the ACC to challenge its grant of rights. The first step at a potential exit from the conference. Turns out the ACC filed a suit against Florida State yesterday to have the matter settled in North Carolina.
5: This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is the
2: Big Noon Sports Network. We've got Wyatt and Noah back station, our flagship station at Tide 100.9, and ABC 3340's Johnny Congen is going to join us as well with Lars and Matt. Johnny, how are you, and Merry Christmas.
9: Merry Christmas to you guys. I appreciate you having us on. It's, uh, it's a busy time of year, but it's nice to hear you guys' this voice. Uh, looking forward to the holidays.
2: Hey, what did you do Wednesday? Can you kind of just map out your
9: schedule? Wednesday, I was in Boston, Massachusetts, getting ready to get on a plane to come back here to Alabama. So I I have to work around the holiday season, and uh, we'll be going to Pasadena the day after Christmas. So I kind of had my Christmas back home with my family this last week. So uh, I was home in Boston for the week and uh, just flew in uh, late Wednesday night, worked yesterday, and – now I'm on my way to UAB Drake for a little matinee of college hoops on this holiday season. Yeah, they're
2: playing at two o'clock this afternoon, aren't
9: they? Absolutely. Talked to Andy Kennedy yesterday, yeah. and uh, his team is a six and five, and uh, they're, they're certainly not where they want to be. But they've won their last two against A and M and Montevallo, so th- today's a big one. If you're not doing anything around, it should be a should be a nice day for hoops.
2: Yeah, Drake's eleven and one.
9: Oh, yeah. Always, they're always a team, I feel like, every other year competing to win the conference to make the tournament are right on the cusp. So uh, they play they play as one. So it's uh, it'll be an uphill battle today, even at home for Andy Kennedy's Blazers.
3: Johnny, what what have you thought, uh, just sticking with basketball, what, what have you thought about Alabama's start to the season and uh, losing these three straight to uh, teams ranked in the top ten on the road?
9: Well, I— I'll I'll tell you what I've been telling a lot of my, you know, my roommates that went to Alabama. They're very engaged in Alabama basketball. And I said, I always, my my old saying is moral victories are for Buffalo fans. That being said, after the Purdue game, I felt kind of good about them. I think Purdue might be the best team in the country. I think they certainly have the best college basketball player in the country in Zach Eady. And I thought Alabama went toe to toe with them and were a few minutes away from really being there to finish the job if they play a full 40. So I was encouraged after. The Purdue game, Creighton game, not so much. And then two nights ago against Arizona and Phoenix, I, I thought I thought they played gross down the stretch, especially when it came to turnovers. And I know Nate keeps calling it. They have to stop fouling. The, the, the fouls, I, I know a lot of fans like to play Monday morning quarterback and complain about the referees. That's what sports fans do, and that's why talk radio exists. But, I mean, the, the fouls that they were committing two nights ago were real, uh, Nick Pringle, I feel like, is a candidate to follow out every single time he plays. I thought Grant Nelson had a horrific game. I don't care how many three-pointers he hit. I, I thought he was just chucking and ducking. And we were promised a lot more than this, going back to SEC tip-off when they were at the SEC media days in Mountain Brook. We were told that Grant Nelson is an NBA-caliber player, and here and then you see little flashes of it. But on the whole, uh, he's been disappointing. And I grant, granted, they're playing an incredibly – difficult schedule. I mean, depending on who you ask, you can either say Purdue or Arizona are the best team in the entire country. I didn't think they played particularly well against Creighton, even though that was a closer score. I, um, you know, what's their best non-conference victory? And at this point, I believe it's Oregon. I mean, they've had opportunities, Clemson, Ohio State, obviously uh, a few nights ago against Arizona, Purdue, Creighton, and, and they, they just can't put together a full 40 minutes. They're better than a 6-5 and five team, but um, at the end of the day, you got to win some of these games, all right?
3: Yeah, yeah you're totally right. And uh, Nelson has some really good looks from three against Arizona, and he just couldn't knock them down. And if he knocks a couple of those down, the, I think the outcome may have been different. But, sure. uh, but I agree. I, I think maybe there could be just a, a, an adjustment that he's going through from, you know, playing, uh, you know, North Dakota state schedule to playing Alabama's schedule and just speed of the game and, and all that. Um, okay. Let's shift to Michigan, Alabama. Your sure. uh, initial thoughts on this big picture thoughts.
9: I think it's a great matchup for Alabama in, in so many ways. I, I think Michigan's able to bully their way to 12, 13 wins, whatever they had it, because they're able to physically match up with every single team in the Big Ten. And I think they proved it against both Penn State on the road and then Ohio State at, at the big house that they are, the, they are the alpha dogs, so to speak, when it comes from a toughness and a physicality standpoint, and they can run the ball on anybody in that conference. Now, find me a team that can match up with them physically, and then maybe can outdo them in the skill department. And you got Bull in Alabama right now, so I, I believe on uh, the selection show, once everyone saw that infamous video of uh, excuse me, Michigan's reaction when they found out they were playing Alabama and not Florida State. I mean, it was like shrill and horror in that room. I don't care what anybody says; they tried to clap it off at the end, talk it up. That that was justification alone to put Alabama in the playoffs from that reaction. And I think J.J. McCarthy is a better quarterback than some Alabama fans are giving him credit for. I think think he's going to be maybe a late first round, early second round pick, depending on what teams need a quarterback at that point of the draft. Um, I thought he made some terrific throws in the Ohio State game. He really wasn't asked to do a heck of a lot much against Penn State. That was basically a ground-and-pound game. But when it comes to – Big on big matchups, especially in the trenches where Michigan's had an edge on almost every team they've played all year. Uh, it's rather a wash or Alabama's going to be favored in that department because they're going to find out what playing an SEC football team in the trenches is like uh, come January 1st of the Pasadena. Hey, what
5: do
9: you think about the other gang, Texas and Washington you know, that, that's a game I think everyone has already just said, okay, uh, Texas can just book their trip to Houston. And I saw that tickets for that are already on sale in and, and four digits. People are paying thousands of dollars already, Texas fans. But, I mean, how many times this year have we counted this Washington team out? And granted, they didn't look great, particularly in the middle part of the seasons and games against, uh, Arizona State, I know they struggled against Arizona for a while. The Apple Cup, which is traditionally a crazy football game, was exactly that. It was a shootout. But every time you've taken Washington and said, all right, they're done, I believe they were a double-digit underdog against Oregon on the Pac-12 title game. And everyone and their sister had Bo Nix and the Ducks pegged to win that thing. And then Michael Penix proves that he probably has some of the greatest arm talent in the this college football season as far as putting the ball exactly where it needs to be. And you saw that in both games against Oregon. And every time we've tried to count the Huskies out, they've really, we've ended up with egg on our face and crawl on our face. Cause I'll tell you what, I, I picked Oregon big. I thought Oregon might've been the best team in the country. I put if I was an Alabama fan and I saw that Washington won. I said, wow, if Alabama gets in Alabama, I believe is going to be the favorite to win the whole thing. And what Michael Penix has been able to do uh, what that offense has been able to do every single time they feel like they need to score, they do. And ultimately, I think that their passing attack is going to give Texas a secondary fits Because if there's a weakness on that Texas team, it's probably in that secondary. We saw Jalen Milrow pop him a few times in the Alabama game back in week two. Their safety unit any, isn't anywhere Their secondary, let's just call it, isn't anywhere as talented as their front seven, which might be one of the most talented front sevens still playing in the the college football playoffs. So I think Washington has a real shot in this game. Would I pick Texas, ultimately, if you made me? I probably would just because I think they're top to bottom more talented. But I I, I give Washington a real puncher's chance to win this football game in New Orleans.
3: What uh, are you expecting to see out of Quinn Ewers and that uh, just looking at the other side – uh, out of Quinn twin, twin Ewers in that Texas offense in this game against Washington.
9: Oh, I expect him to be as good as he was week two in Tuscaloosa where he made some – high-level throws, and he's always seemed to step up when the moment's asked for it. If you go back to Austin two years ago when Bryce Young and Alabama went out there, if he doesn't get hurt in that game, there's a real good chance Texas wins that game at home. He was he was playing that well. I mean, that long touchdown he threw this year where the ball felt like it hung in the air for about 25 seconds. It was like a punt. And then the the receiver made the Willie Mays over-the-shoulder catch. I mean, that was one of the best throws I've seen all year. But guys, with Texas's backup transferring in the portal, are are we a Quinn Ewers injury away from seeing Arch Manning in the college football playoff? I mean, how amazing would that be? If people thought it was crazy seeing Tunga vailoa come in in the national title game a few years ago against Georgia, can you imagine if the highest touted, highest hyped uh, freshman maybe in the history of college football was thrust into a national championship game, let's say against Alabama? Oh my God, those stories would write themselves.
2: Hey, uh, let's talk Florida State for a minute. They have voted that they want to sue to be able to get out of the league. Where do you think they're going?
9: Oh, at this point, wouldn't it just be a bidding war between the Big Ten and the SEC? I mean, for the longest time, when when we talked about expansion and and conference realignment, I always thought Florida State and Clemson were the two prime ready-to-go teams to join the Southeastern Conference. Now, Ultimately, I know they're having beef with the ACC right now. I know they didn't officially vote to leave the conference. I saw that there was some other language in there. But ultimately, I think Florida State's a perfect fit in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, does it happen? Who knows? I know Greg Sankey said time and time again they're very happy with 16 after they go to Texas and Oklahoma next year. But is, is that the marriage that you think the Big Ten wants of Florida State at this point, you can take geography and just throw it out at this point. I mean, you're going to have Maryland playing UCLA in basketball on a Tuesday night. I I mean, forget forget conference realignment when it comes to geography. I I ultimately think Florida State is best served in the Southeastern Conference because it makes the most sense. But I, if I was a bet man, I wouldn't put any money on where Florida State would go because who knows the way that this relocation has gone.
2: Especially, as you alluded to, geography has nothing to do with any of these conferences anymore. Johnny, I know no. you got something at one thirty. Will you hang through a break and maybe take a couple more questions? Sure, absolutely, Matt. All right. Thank you. Johnny Cogman from ABC 3340 is our guest, and we'll continue on the other side of the break. As you listen to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Dancing, Union Home Mortgage.
8: Build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll tied as Houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790 7229. Again, that's 205 790 7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the That's Laura Lee
1: at the
0: Hi, broker.com. one. 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A pleasant afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 62. Fair tonight below 41. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 67. Sunday, increasingly cloudy rain arrives by Sunday night. Sunday's high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
5: Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
2: ABC 3340's Johnny Cognon is our guest here on Big News Sports. Guys, I want to go back to Florida State, but more what's going to happen in the Orange Bowl, because I, I just had another pop-up from X or Twitter or whatever you call it these days, that yet another player has opted out. Um uh, not enough that Jordan Travis is out due to injury, but now Benson, their running back, Coleman, their wide receiver, another wide receiver, two defensive linemen, tight end, and a linebacker are all not going to play in this game. I just <laughs> wonder if, uh, and Georgia's, Georgia's, um, they're kind of fighting Bulldog Mad. Uh, this is right now mapping out to me, Johnny, that Georgia just may go down the orange bowl and take them to the woodshed.
9: Yeah, guys, I know it's not a it's not a popular opinion because everyone loves more football. Some of these ball games are just crap. I mean, I don't know if you sat through any of South Florida, Syracuse last night, where Syracuse is starting their starting tight end at quarterback. I mean, it, it's just a joke. Some of these teams are completely checked out. They're basically treating it like a vacation. And then there's other schools, like Jacksonville State, who go down to the New Orleans Bowl and it's their first opportunity to ever play in a ball game, and it means a lot to them. So to a team like Florida State who believes they were wronged, rather if that be rightfully or not, they did win every game on their schedule, and then basically told that you get to play this glorified consolation game, I go, some kids in some conferences would give give a leg to play the Orange Bowl, but for Florida State who believes they should be one of the top four teams in this college football playoff, doesn't surprise me at all that a lot of these guys are tapping out of these games and so to your point, I mean, if, if Georgia has the majority of their guys coming back and Kirby has done such a good job implementing that Saban-like system down in Athens the same way that Saban had implemented it in Tuscaloosa for all those years prior, I mean, there's a good chance Georgia wins that game by 45, 50 points, and that's conservative if they decided they really want to put their foot to the pedal. But, again, I've really liked Mike Norvell. I think Florida State for the longest time since Jimbo Fisher left was really looking – for some stability, uh, especially from a recruiting standpoint. Norvell has certainly given them that, and uh, hopefully at this point we we get a semblance of a decent game uh, down in Miami for the Orange Bowl.
3: Going back to the Rose Bowl, um, what has most impressed you this year about Jalen Milrow and his development from Texas from being benched against South Florida to what we've seen for the past, uh, you know, five games or so.
9: Lars, could you repeat that real quick? Sorry, I was just distracted on the road. Just real quick.
3: Yeah, no problem. Uh, What's most impressed you about Jalen Milrow this year?
9: Oh, his ability to just put put bad mistakes behind him as quickly as he has. I mean, there was a time... Obviously, the Texas game, he didn't have an opportunity to play in the South Florida game where I felt like after that second interception, he was mentally broken. And that's just not the case anymore when he gets on the football field. He makes that interception against Kentucky and Lexington, is able to put that behind him. And I I think the little things that really make a big difference is you can really tell that the team has trust in him. Maybe after that Texas game, there was a lot of questions. Because if you remember, guys, we talked all summer was Ty Simpson going to be the quarterback? What about this Tyler Buckner kid from Notre Dame? He was a great unknown. And then ultimately, Jalen Milrow has won that locker room. And right now, he's playing with the confidence of the best quarterback in the country. And ultimately, he did finish, what, fifth or sixth in the highs been voting? I mean, and that, that's with him missing a game for being benched. I mean, that really shows you when he went through that stretch where he had eight consecutive touchdowns or whatnot uh, following the LSU game and heading into Kentucky. I mean, he he probably had as good of a two- or three-game stretch as any quarterback in the country. And uh, right now, he's the clear alpha dog in that locker room when it comes to the offense. And uh, that's why I think Alabama's going to win this Rose Bowl, and I think they're going to win it uh, relatively convincingly for Alabama standards.
2: Uh, Travel across the state. I know you cover Auburn equally as well. Uh, seventh in the nation, and they're recruiting, uh, looking good in transfer portals. Um, I think Hugh Freeze, your opinion on this, has done everything Auburn wanted him to do and then
9: stopped. Oh, especially getting the receivers. I remember when we talked to Hugh Freeze preseason, he couldn't recall a team he's coached that didn't have a thousand yard receiver. And I can't remember the exact year, but Auburn's gone so many years, maybe dating back to the late 90s, early 2000s, without having a 1,000-yard receiver in a season. Was and 99. obviously with Hugh... 99, now yeah, that that's the year. And what Hugh Freeze has been able to do from his time at Ole Miss, where he had guys like A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, and he goes to Liberty and he turns Pop Douglas, DeMario Douglas, gets drafted by the Patriots into an NFL-caliber receiver. For him to go flip Perry Thompson down in Foley, Alabama, from Alabama to Auburn, and then seizes on the coaching change at Texas A&M and is able to get Cam Coleman from Central Phoenix City, who mark my words, guys, is going to be an NFL receiver. When you look at him now as an 18-year-old, he's got the body of an NFL receiver, another five-star that was committed to play for the Aggies at Texas A&M, and now they flip two five-stars from two SEC West rivals. I mean, Brian Harson couldn't do that in six years. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Good point, and I, I think Hugh Freeze is on his, on, on his way to uh, building something special. Uh, he may or may not have found his quarterback in the uh, white kid. Uh, we'll we'll have to see. Um, again, going back to uh, Michigan, Alabama, everyone I talk to, including uh, people uh, who follow the Big Ten very closely. And in reading stories about Big Ten coaches uh, anonymously saying sort of how they see the game being played out, I have not heard a single person say that Michigan is going to beat Alabama, yet Michigan is a one-point favorite, or two points, it depends. What, What is going on with this spread? You know what,
9: Lars, I have no idea. One of, one of my best friends, Luke Tavasta, who went to Alabama with me, he's in the radio business. He works for DraftKings and v and He works inside the Circa Sportsbook in Las Vegas. And I've had this same conversation with him. And although all the smart money is currently on Alabama, the line still holds. Since the announcement was made that Alabama would play Michigan, the opening line was a point and a half. And since then, I said, by Christmas, Alabama will be a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And here we are, a few days before the 25th, and Alabama is still
1: an underdog
9: in this game. And, and for our Alabama fans, I want to dismiss that. I mean, Vegas is usually more right than they are wrong. And Again, when it's as low as a point, that certainly doesn't spell well for a blowout either way. But Vegas has kept that line at that number for a specific reason – And, again, as as we just talked about Alabama being fully bought in to the Jalen-Milrow factor, I mean, you have to look what Michigan's been able to do. They've been able to adopt that us-against-the-world mentality behind Harbaugh. I think the sign-stealing, cheating scandal, whatever you want to call it, I mean, that's emboldened teams in the past. You go look at some of the Patriots teams, rather it be Spygate, Deflategate, and they're able to rally behind an us-against-the-world mentality because, you know, every school. Every team in pro sports wants to think that everyone's out to get you, but it's usually not the case. That's usually manufactured motivation. Here's a case where everyone's basically saying, oh, Michigan's cheaters. They shouldn't be here. They're stealing signs. They got assistants on the sidelines stealing names. And, oh, they're going to take our coach away for three games. And, I mean, that pisses some people off. and, And there's some real anger behind that. And I think that's nice, healthy motivation for a team like Michigan. And never underestimate the power of a pissed-off group of 95 individuals, 53, that maybe have a chance to take the field. So I, um, I, I, I'm i a little surprised Michigan is still the favorite. But at the same time, although I think Alabama is going to win the game, I think maybe it's just a little biased from watching them every week and having such belief in the SEC. Um, but this way, I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan found a way to win this football game.
3: Yeah, that's what I've been Didn't Belichick.
6: Yeah, so, I'm, yeah. I'm Sorry, man.
3: I've been wondering that too. Are, are, do, are we biased because we have watched this Alabama team evolve and grow so much?
9: Absolutely. And again, I, it's not just an Alabama bias. It's an SEC bias. When I go back to the bowl games, I, I always favor the SEC team. Maybe just because we're kind of in this Southeastern football bubble and we think it's the best. And I believe it is the best. But that doesn't mean on any given Sunday, or excuse me, any given Saturday, and you know these bowl games played on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, that a a, a dialed-in focused team from the Big Ten, the Big 12, the final year of the Pac-12, or the ACC can't knock off an Auburn. Would it shock anybody if Maryland, even without Talia Tungavailoa, beats Auburn? No. Because at the end of the day, at this time of year, it's whatever team is most dialed in, And a lot of these teams, they treat these bowl games like a vacation. Promise. I promise you. I've covered some of these before. Some of these lower-tier bowl games where the practices are glorified walkthroughs, the players are out having a good time in whatever city they are in. And I don't necessarily fault them for wanting to hang out, especially these are friendships and teammates that they probably won't see in many cases, for the rest of their lives, are very very infrequently. So they're going to try to enjoy these opportunities for these lower state games. But ultimately, you got to strap your chin strap on and play a football game at the end of the day. And the coaches that are able to keep their teams more focused typically have better results.
2: Hey, did you just y'all just see this note that uh, Bill Belichick is claiming they had underinflated football in Kansas City?
9: Oh, man. They say le- Leopards can't change their spots. If they're cheating, they're doing a pretty
2: crappy job of it this year. Yeah, he may be gone. We'll
1: get into that next time we talk. Have a very merry Christmas. All right, Matt Lloyd. thanks so much. Merry Christmas, guys.
3: You bet. Thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you for your time.
2: Uh, Um, couple other notes. I mean, we've still got uh, we have thirty minutes of playing time here, so if you'd like to join in and call us with just virtually any topic, please do at 205-342-9904. Got it. I told you, I teased the brass at the top. Here's another one that I found very interesting, and we'll share that with you on the other side of this break. Big done Sports brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group.
0: It's time to ring in the New Year right.
9: Alabama, a winner over the Georgia Bulldogs, claiming
0: the SEC title. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Race dot BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too
7: champion Troy meets Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now starting at just $30. The pregame festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest pep rally at Uptown with live music, team pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at BirminghamBowl.com.
5: Sports Talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports.
2: At the foreign hustles today, although we talked about Rayola. And uh by the way, he got a huge NIL deal the minute he signed. So um, I imagine money did have something to do with his uh flip from Georgia to Nebraska, but his family <clears throat> that had to have something to do with it as well. Okay. Um you remember Corey Thompson? Lars, you with me?
3: Lars? Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Uh Corey Thompson, no.
2: Wasn't he the guy that was just awful at quarterback
3: two years ago? Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Casey Thompson. Yeah. He, Casey, my yeah. bad, bad. he's getting Got like it. his uh seventh year of eligibility <laughs> because he had a medical red shirt. Uh he started at Texas and then uh went to Nebraska and he transferred again and I think he just transferred again. Is that correct? Yeah.
2: Well, he transferred to um, Florida Atlantic, and I guess he played some there this year, but now he's in the portal again. He can't pass. He's a quarterback that literally can't pass. Now, if he got into, uh you know, if he ran a wishbone or something like that, I think he could have death. But just amazes me with the COVID year and a medical rest, medical year and all that kind of stuff. How these guys are gonna be twenty five when they graduate. I mean, how old was Stetson Bennett? Twenty four?
3: Yeah.
2: Um and I don't I don't know that he transferred any. He? he was just at Georgia that long.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, so Casey Thompson, like I said, he started at Texas and went to Nebraska. He wasn't terrible at Nebraska, by the way. Um, but uh he was granted a medical hardship earlier this month because, uh, as you said, he was at, uh, FAU and he, uh, he only played three games before suffering a season-ending torn ACL. And there actually had been talk of him returning to Nebraska and playing in a, uh, mentor, being a mentor probably back up to Riola, but uh it doesn't look like that's gonna happen and and so um yeah i mean it's crazy how long some of these guys uh again this is going to be his seventh season of college football uh because of the transfer rules because of uh the covid year i mean we're having some guys who are like 27 years old and still playing college football. It's, uh, it's a little bizarre, but, um, you know, he, uh, hasn't had the career that he, that, you know, that people ha- had hoped for. Um, cause he, uh, you know, he, he did spend four years in Austin. He redshirted as a true freshman, uh, in his career there. He threw 30 touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, wish him luck. Uh, it's, it's just got to be hard, though, on a personal level, don't you think, to be playing for, going to play for your fourth school in four years?
1: want to have a locker room greet you.
2: Hey, River. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the the movie uh, The Rookie with Dennis Quaid based on a two-story when he came back at, like, thirty? Seven.
5: Yeah,
2: that's what they yeah. called him in the locker room. They called him River as in old man River. But by the way, outstanding movie. One of my favorite baseball movies of all time, and not a lot of people will say that. But
3: I but thought I, it was great. Uh, my my favorite baseball movie, and it's not even close, is The Natural. Uh, with Robert Redford, and uh, the the book is like everyone always says the book is better, but the book is absolutely incredible. <laughs> I uh, read that when I was, uh, gosh, probably like in 10th grade. But, um, yeah, interesting, interesting times right now in just, uh, gosh, just in the world of sports and, uh, there, uh, just a lot of things going on. Are, are you interested at all in UCF playing Georgia Tech tonight?
2: It'll be on. Yeah, I watch part of it. Yeah, I watched Marshall the other night. Um, if uh, now I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to make special plans and get out some nachos and some cold beverages just to watch that game. But I like all bowl games, and if I'm around, the television's on. I'm going to watch it. And um, yeah, I'll watch part of it. I, I think that, uh, and you know, we we got a little tie to UCF, right? with Malzahn. I like Mm -hmm. to see how his teams do. And um, I like to see Georgia Tech play well. And, you know, they have kind of uh, meandered in mediocrity since what? Uh, Didn't they split a national championship like 33 years ago? Uh,
3: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah.
2: But they've been in and out since then, and I've always just kind of liked Georgia Tech. Please don't let Ham McWhorter hear that because he's a big Georgia fan and he despises the Yellow Jackets. But yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, I think the Knights are favored by four and a half, so I'm sure you're going to watch it because you're going to bet it.
3: Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> hey, I, I, I saw UCF against Alabama, man and i know alabama was like they they didn't want to be there is probably the worst game i think of the saban era of the just effort level of the team of his team but still they hung with alabama for three quarters three and a half quarters so i'm 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 rolling with uh UCF tonight hey uh matt some breaking news just posted on uh espn And this is really good news for Nate Oates. Um, Darian Reed, uh, who is one of the top uncommitted college basketball prospects in the class of 2024. He was choosing between the Alabama, Georgia and Florida State. And what does he do? He just picked Alabama. And uh, he is a five star. And so this will be Nate Oates' fourth five star recruit in the, the past four recruiting classes. And why did uh, Reed pick Alabama? I mean, we, we know this. He just said, I love their style of play and their coaches. Yeah. Co- Coach Oates gets his players better. I believe I can make an immediate impact and get better in all aspects of my game so I can get to the league. Coach Oates is a, great person to be around and I learned from him and um, and yeah I mean he uh, he was, uh, Reed was slated to make a commitment in late October but uh, just delayed it hours before he was scheduled to make an announcement and he said that was because of a, a family situation but um, he's a, a, a six seven forward uh, he plays at Prolific Prep in California, and, um, he just had a, a great, uh, uh, a spring and summer with a, a in the uh, Nike, it's called the EYBL circuit, uh, averaged 17.2 points, 6.4 rebounds, 2.1 assists, shot better than, uh, 60%, uh, inside the arc, and, uh, Hit 40% of his threes, uh, just a very versatile player. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's kind of a, of a triple threat. He can, he can play with his back to the basket. He is really good at shooting the three and it's also good at mid-range jumper. Uh, he's a good driver and a finisher and uh, he can just, uh, he beats defenders uh, off the dribble, off the bounce as the kids say, but uh, he's hes gonna be the real deal. And so you look at this t- uh, 2024 class for Alabama, Nate Oates has three of the top 50 recruits in the country. You got Reed, you got center Aiden Sherrill, and you got small forward Nasir Cunningham, and both of those guys signed with the Tide in the, in the fall. So this is shaping up to be, uh, you know, one of the top classes in the country. And uh, just a, a, a really good day for Alabama basketball. And just a reminder of what a great hire Nato's was. What a great hire. And that is that was, that was Greg Byrne and Greg Byrne alone
1: yeah
2: and uh he's kind of got his work cut out for him this year but i guess based on the previous years i seem to have a confidence that he'll pull this team around you know last year's team just bolted it out of the gate and uh seemed destined for the final four they made the sweet 16 they had some issues along the way certainly more than issues actually but it
3: just seems to me, like, don't we all have confidence in Nate Oates bringing this team around and, you know, making the tournament easily? There's almost, like, I have no doubt in my mind this team's going to make the tournament. But the the thing is, they're still ranked very high by people like Jerry Palm. Even though they're 6-5, he is number 9 in the country. And, uh, you know, uh, it's not like they are, are they got blown out by Arizona. I mean, it, all these games were, were relatively close. And, uh, you know, they just uh, – it, it's guys who haven't spent a lot of time playing with one another. And, uh, you know, as, as someone who's played a lot of basketball in his life, it, it just, it, you need time to develop chemistry and uh just have a, a sense of hey this is where this guy likes to get the ball you know uh in 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 this is uh the spot that he likes and this is where I should be looking for him and and uh you know uh running a pick and roll uh he's not gonna necessarily uh roll to the basket he might jump back out and look for uh open three like those are just things that you you learn through experience and uh, and and time together on the court, and uh, I just—they uh, got talent on this team, and I, I think Grant Nelson. I, I know that it, 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 he hasn't like lit the world on fire yet, but I think by mid-season he's clearly going to be the best player on this team. We'll see.
2: It came out that way. Hey, when we get back, gonna talk to you a little bit about Christmas. And um like to take some Christmas calls. They don't have to be sports related, but I've got a Christmas sports related question for Lars Anderson. On the other side of the break, you can call us at 205-342-9904. Big Ten Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage.
7: Weekday
0: mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show.
5: Hey, this is Martin Houston, and I want to just take a moment, and first of all, thank you for a great year of listening to the show. And I also want to take the time to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. Uh, May you spend it with you and yours. And then invite you to join us back on Tuesday as we start the official Countdown to Alabama versus Michigan in the Rose Bowl. The phone lines will be open to 9904 we We'll add Kenny Smith the third into the conversation. Xavier, Justin, and I'll be here. Make sure that you make plans to join us on Tuesday. On Tuesday, and once again, Merry Christmas from the Martin Houston Show and Crew right here on Tide 100.9 and 12.30 a.m. WTBC. Catch the Martin
0: Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9.
7: champion Troy meets Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now starting at just $30. The pre-game festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest pep rally at Uptown with live music, team pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at birminghambowl.com. I'd 100 Tuscaloosa weather: a pleasant afternoon,
0: a mixture of clouds and sunshine. The high 62. Fair tonight, the low 41. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 67. Sunday, increasingly cloudy. Rain arrives by Sunday night. Sunday's high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather
5: Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa, from T-town to the plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
2: Hey, Merry Christmas. This is the last show we'll have. We'll be back next Tuesday, but the last one we will have before Christmas and uh, the holiday season. And I hope you all have a very, very rich one. Lars. You've been a long-form writer, a book writer. So I don't know if this was ever the case. I'll ask anyway. Have you ever really had to work, be away, not see your family on Christmas?
3: Mm, That's a good question. Uh, I'm sure I have, but I can't remember when (laughs) when it was. Um, I think... I think it was uh, covering uh, a, a bowl game or tra- or having to travel. I, I just, I, I, I can't recall. H- how about you?
1: Yeah, I had several in the 80s um,
2: because Alabama, consistent. they played three times in El Paso at the Sun Bowl in the 80s. And those games were played either on Christmas Eve or the one I remember was when uh, Alabama whipped up on the Washington Huskies, 28-6. to 6. That one was actually played on Christmas Day. So, you know, you tried to get your flights where so you could get back home at a certain time, and you know how travel is over the holidays. A lot of times your flights were late, delayed. Um, but you worked around it, and when I was in television as, as a very young man, um, I would often anchor on Christmas Day because uh, some of the other people in the sports office had children, you know, uh, and I was a child. So I would anchor so that they could be with their families on Christmas. But it was more than paid up for uh, either before or after Christmas. And I never really had a problem with it. It was just all about, uh, you know, you work and still enjoy and appreciate the true value of Christmas. But yeah, and I can remember getting up in a, on an airline coming out of, I think, Atlanta trying to get back to Birmingham, and um, that was, it was tough, but, you know, you endured, uh, and um, is it, is I have, just, uh, I'm not mad, I have not minded.
3: was Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas, is that right?
2: It is. I was an honorary citizen there by uh, 18,
1: 1989.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Man, so I swear, what, I knew. It's, it's Christmas. Uh, what do you end up doing? Okay, you, in Alabama, plays on Christmas. Everybody gets it done. If I remember, it's a relatively. It was a. It was a. It was like a afternoon game, early afternoon game. Yeah. Would you get together with other reporters and go out and have a Christmas meal? Uh yeah. Uh,
2: one year we decided let's just go to Warrent for Christmas Eve. How smart is that? <laughs> so we went over there and um came back and the traffic was horrible and it was a bad decision. But yeah, and you know, the one thing about El Paso is um it's not the it's not a vacation spot, let's put it that way. It's not like going to Miami for a bowl game or New Orleans or even in Atlanta. So the one thing that the people of El Paso Brought to the table was friendship, friendliness. These were the most accommodating people, and even though it was Christmas, they'd take you out. You know, they would they would leave their families to entertain the media. They entertain the media better than any group I've ever been around for a bowl game, and that says a lot because you know, Lars, they bust their ears, treat the media like royalty. But uh, I just remember how awesome the people were. And I know it's South Texas, but just I don't consider it the South out there. But they were a lot like Southern. I mean, just good, down-to-earth people. And they did everything they could to uh, make sure that even in the Christmas time, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, that we enjoyed ourselves. And I've always appreciated El Paso. And I think I've been there six or seven times, including basketball and football and even if it wasn't a big celebration with the media for a bowl game this thing was true when you went out to dinner it was just wonderful i very believe it or not very fond thoughts for el paso texas that's a
3: great story um what's the best christmas gift you've ever received
1: um
2: let's see as a child My parents surprised me one year because I got a little mini portable television set. Man, not many kids had that. That was really, really cool. But the best present I've received in the last 15 years was my son got me a Wii game.
1: (laughs) I play it all the time. It's 12 years old. What about you?
3: When I was about seven and uh still believing that uh Bengals quarterback Ken Anderson was my uncle uh Santa Claus brought me a uh a framed black and white photograph of Ken Anderson and it said uh, he signed it he said to Lars a great Bengal fan in Lincoln Ken Anderson and uh man, I put that right next to my bedstand. <laughs> I looked at it every single night. Um, and Matt, I uh, recently was just uh, taking a break from work and the, all the research I'm doing right now for my next big project. And I was just sort of, you know, just messing around on eBay. And I found this, uh, this really great, like a, a, a canvas of Ken Anderson, like from 1974, uh, dropping back to pass and he signed it and ended up putting a bid on it and I got it. Uh, and, uh, so it's kind of coming full circle because I want my kids to, um, to sort of understand, like, the importance of of Ken Anderson in in their family history. And so uh, I wrapped that yesterday, and I know my kids aren't listening to the show right now. They're at a movie. Um, And so, um, uh, yeah, I wrapped it, and so it will be from Santa Claus. It will be the biggest gift under the tree from Santa Claus, which isn't cool. Oh, it's that large. <laughs> it, 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 well, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's really cool. I, I'll, uh, I look forward to showing it to you. I'm, I, I'm really pumped about it, but, um.
2: You never got yeah, anything I, from Star Wars that just blew you away? <sighs> I know you're a big fan.
3: I am. Not really. Yeah, I think it was, uh, uh, geez, the, the fight, the, uh, the, the, fighter that, uh,
2: Millennium Falcon.
3: It's not the Millennium Falcon. It's what Luke flew. Those, uh, oh, the uh, little,
2: the little one that he, uh, yeah, had to fly the, down. The,
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't believe I can't remember the name of it. Only, didn't he only say something one? like,
2: I used to shoot wombats in the something, something valley at 300 meters yeah. <laughs> or
3: something?
1: Yeah. <laughs> How yeah, do man. I remember
3: that's uh, that's that's good. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Oh,
1: uh,
2: probably it's A Wonderful Life. You know, just uh, yeah, and I, I still I watched part of it the other day. Uh, just a great movie with a great cast and a, and a, an a unbelievably good message. I mean, that's just it is a wonderful life, Lars. You and I lead one. That's we at least do, actually. Yeah. What about I, you? do you do you I, consider I, Die Hard a Christmas movie?
3: I do. And I was just going to mention it. That's my one A, but my one is Elf with uh, Woody uh i just I, I can't get enough of that movie it is just uh so funny christmas Va- vacation with chevy chase also uh a a classic uh and i love watching that and and you know what uh i think it's tbs that plays a christmas story t- 24 hours in a row and i'll uh i'll get wrapped up into that and in the Red Rider uh, BB gun and <laughs> you'll shoot your eye out kid, uh, the lamp, uh, I mean there's just so much about, uh, a Christmas story that I, uh, I, I can't get enough of as, as well. I remember, uh,
2: religiously the week of Christmas our family would gather around, this is not a movie, but we would watch Charlie Brown's Christmas and, uh, I just always thought it was really, really cool. Well done. And was it Schroeder, the piano player? Uh, and was it Linus that got out there or Schroeder that did, uh, uh, did the story of Christmas biblically? It
3: was just, it was very touching and very yeah, real. It was Linus, I believe. Yeah. 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 He,
2: uh, he took his blanket and wrapped it under the tree, which is nothing but a bunch of straggles. And then suddenly it turned into a really great tree. and then he uh, he told the story of the baby Jesus, which is, which is really, really cool. So anyway, it's uh, it's going to be a great day tonight, Uptown. That's where you need to be. I'm inviting you to a party personally. It is the 76th Birmingham Bowl Christmas, uh, Birmingham Bowl Eve party. It's right there in Uptown. Cool place in Birmingham, right by Protective Stadium. And of course, tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, Duke and Troy will kick off, and they'll play a college bowl game right there. Home standing throws. It's gonna be extremely cool. What a great day. As far as I hadn't looked back at the weather, last I checked, it was gonna be nothing but sunshine, as I look it up here real quickly. Uh, let's see, tomorrow, sunny and about 60. Now, that's perfect. I mean, there's not gonna be like a cloud in the sky tomorrow. So, uh, I know you are going, taking your three minions, and I am going to go as well, and we're going to have a big time. But uh, I love the fact that we have this bowl and continue to have it, and just want everybody that's listening to the show and all the affiliates to take a minute. Just go to BirminghamBowl.com, and you'll find all the ticket sources, but go to the uh, TicketSmart, uh that application, and get your tickets. Why don't you have four?
3: I have four and, uh, I appreciate you, uh, helping me out with that and I'll, I'll see you there tomorrow and, uh, definitely look forward to spending Christmas with, uh, my mom, uh, my stepfather Gordy and my girlfriend Sarah. Can't wait.
2: Good deal. Well, Merry Christmas, all. Merry Christmas to all. Hey, Wyatt, Noah, Merry Christmas you got.